Well, we are uh, in a series of standalone messages. I'm going to be starting a series in the book of 1 John on September 24th. Uh, but for the, today and the next two weeks after today, we're just going to have some uh, standalone messages. And today I want to talk about the importance of the friendships uh, that we choose. The answer to the question I'm going to ask you to start out here is probably going to fall along age lines, you know, how you answer. But perhaps with Netflix and some of the streaming services available, a few of the younger folks among us might uh, be familiar with this as well. So how many of you are familiar with the old family favorite TV show, Leave It to Beaver? Let me see a show of hands. Yep. Yep. How many of you are not? Yep, a few, a few. So if you remember that show, and if you didn't, I'll, you know, it'll be easy to figure out what I'm talking about here. There was a character named Eddie Haskell, okay? And for those of you who did not watch the show, Eddie Haskell was a character. <laughs> he wasn't just, you know, a TV show. He was a character, and he was friends with kind of the two stars of the show, Wally and the Beaver. Uh, he was more a friend of Wally and a tormentor of the Beaver. Uh, but what was true was, uh, in both cases, is that Eddie Haskell was a horrible influence on these two young men, uh, Wally and the Beaver. Uh, he was not, he, he, was, he was Wally's friend, but he was not a good friend because he constantly influenced Wally in a bad direction, a very bad direction. Now, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I'm asking you to think about this in your own mind. How many of you have had an Eddie Haskell in your life at some point in time? Actually, let's ask for a show of hands. How many of you have had an Eddie Haskell in your life? Most, most of you uh, have. Here's another question. How many of you have ever had a parent end a friendship for you? They didn't wait for you to do it, but they knew that someone you had befriended was such a bad influence that they, without your permission, they informed your friend, you all are no longer friends. Anybody ever had that happen? See a few hands? few hands, those were good parents. You might not have thought so at the time, but those were good parents. Any of you parents here had to end a friendship for one of your children? See a few hands on that one as well. Good parents. Often, we can look back and appreciate when our parents did fairly dramatic things to protect us from bad friends. We can also be diligent in looking out for our own kids or others around us and alerting them to harmful friendships. But sometimes, even as we act in the best interest of other people, we accommodate friendships in our own lives that are not very good for us. And this is what I want to talk about today and ask all of us as we go through this to examine our friendships and make sure that we have the right friends. You see, there is a great and dangerous thing about friendships. The same thing that makes them great makes them very dangerous. And that is acceptance. What makes a friendship a friendship is acceptance. 
we accept another person, they accept us, and again, that's both a great thing and a dangerous thing because when we are accepted, we drop our guard and we become open to the influence of the people around us, those friends who have accepted us. And it's because friendship equals influence that it is vitally important that we choose our friends very carefully. You know, friends have the potential to be a tremendous force for good in our lives. When you have a friend that affirms all of the right things in your life, when you have a friend that encourages you toward becoming your best self, when you have a friend that encourages you to make right decisions, such a friend is a wonderful gift. It's a, it's a huge source of help in your life. But friends also hold the potential to be a destructive force in your life. When you have a friend who is always persuading you to spend too much money, maybe they have more of it than you do. And they're always putting you in a position to, to spend more than you're comfortable with. When you have a friend that uh, influences you to drink too much alcohol. When you have a friend who is constantly trying to influence you to accept things that the Bible says you should reject. When you have a friend who consistently places temptation in front of you. Then that friend is very likely, in one way or another, sooner or later... To bring harm to your life. Because we drop our guard around our friends. And we become open to their influence. And because friends can either be a force for good or a cause of harm in our lives. It's vitally important that we choose our friends carefully. Choose our friends wisely. Now I want you to be honest. And I would like to see a show of hands on this question. Haven't most of the worst decisions you've ever made in your life, haven't most of the worst things you've ever done in your life, haven't most of the dumbest things you've ever done in your life been influenced by friends? Yes. Yes. Most of the worst situations you've gotten into, sometimes maybe not even of your own choosing, have been the result of the friends you hung around. I had a um, particularly colorful friend in high school, and this isn't a real big deal, but it's just a little bit of an illustration of the kind of trouble friends can get you into. Uh, we were driving down the road one night after a, uh, after a football game, and unbeknownst to me, my friend who was in the back seat of the car I was driving had a big bag full of like, um, I think it was like uh, corn kernels or something like that. And he took out a huge handful of it, leaned out my window and threw it at the windshield of an oncoming car. And that car screeched to a halt and started to turn around to follow us. Now in one of my both proud and like cringe-worthy moments. I was both proud of myself uh, after the fact and cringed at what I did. I immediately turned on a dime into a dark little street, kind of like an alley, turned my lights off, it was in the nighttime, and drove down the street as fast as I could, tur turning in and out of neighborhood roads, and finally parking in a driveway that was obscure to get away from these people. 
It was stupid driving without lights on, but I was kind of proud that I pulled it off. <laughs> they did not find us. But here's the thing. My friend, friend, put us in a really bad spot. Because for all we know, the people in that car were sort of like Mark Werner and Joe English, people who could beat us senseless. <laughs> and so my friend almost got me in trouble. And I'm sure that all of you could tell some very interesting stories about trouble that you've gotten into because of friends. And we would laugh at some of them like, like you politely laughed at that story, and that's okay. But the reality is that this is actually pretty serious business. The Bible considers the company we keep, the companions we choose, the friends we allow to influence our lives to be very important business. Here's what Proverbs 13.20 says. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise or grows in wisdom. So when we read that, when we read this proverb, there should be some obvious questions that come to our minds. Here's one of them. Who are the wise people? What, what, what characteristics uh, can, can I look at in people to discover that they are wise if by walking with the wise, I become wise, I grow in wisdom, I want to be able to identify who the wise people are so that I can hang out with them. And there are a variety of answers the Bible gives to this question. I want to share four of them today. Here's the first one. According to the Bible, the wise are those who fear the Lord. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And of course, we, we know, or at least if you don't know, I'm telling you that, that the fear of the Lord is simply a way of communicating that we respect and honor the Lord. We give him the rightful place of consideration in our lives. We don't take him for granted. We, we, we honor him and we, we serve him. And so as you're looking for friends that will aid your life, encourage you in the right direction, help you to become a person who grows wise... You need to find someone who fears the Lord. If they don't fear the Lord, strike one. And two, three, four, five. I know there are only three in baseball, but you get a lot of strikes for not fearing the Lord. Here's the second one. According to the Bible, not only are the wise those who fear the Lord, who have some like general respect for the God who created everything, but the wise are those who build their life on Christ. So you might have a friend who, you know, like they have some general respect. There's a God, you know, I, I uh, think he created everything. He's out there. But there's more that you need to, to find out, to find out if you have a wise friend. You need to find out, is this someone who is building their life on Jesus? Matthew 7, 24 in that passage, Jesus taught that a wise man builds his house on the rock and then he defined the rock for us. And what he meant by saying the wise man builds his house on the rock is that the wise man builds his house on Jesus and Jesus' teachings. 
That, that's what the wise man is doing. He's building his house on Jesus and Jesus' teachings. And, and so these are two important considerations as we look into who should our friends be? Do they fear the Lord? Are they building their lives on Christ and his teachings? And here's a third biblical marker uh, that the Bible gives us for uh, those who are wise. Those who are wise don't just live for the present They live for eternity. There are people who realize that this life isn't just about this life. There are people who realize that this life is actually preparation for the age to come, the life to come. This life is about eternity. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 90, 12, that he would learn to number his days. Why? So that he might gain a heart of wisdom. The idea here is that uh, appreciating the brevity of life sobers us up. It it makes us realize that eternity is going to arrive pretty quickly for us. Whether it's Jesus returning or us reaching the end of our natural life, eternity is going to get here really quickly. And so when you live in the light of eternity, when you live in the light of your own mortality, you walk a wiser path. You avoid the foolishness that those who live only for today allow to mark their lives, allow to define their lives. When you live aware of your own mortality, when you live in the light of eternity, that affair doesn't look nearly as appealing. When you number your days And you realize there aren't very many of them. Spending the ones you have in an alcohol-induced stupor does not seem nearly as appealing. When you number your days, when you live for eternity, accepting all the broken relationships that you have left in your wake isn't near as an acceptable thing as it once was. When you're picking friends, the Bible would encourage you to pick friends who think about the brevity of life, who think about eternity, and allow these realities to cause them to live a better life. And here's the fourth biblical characteristic of the wise that I wanted to share today. There may be more, but this is the, these are the four I wanted to share. The wise are those who understand that decisions made today determine our future. Decisions made today impact the course of our lives. We know this because from beginning to end, the Bible teaches the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. What you plant today, you sow down the road. And so you want friends who understand this, And so they make good decisions today and they encourage you to make good decisions today because they know that the decisions made today determine the course of your life. And so you want friends, or at least we should want friends, who influence us in a direction that results in our lives moving in a positive and God-honoring direction. Your life will be better. My life will be better if we surround ourselves 
with the wise. Those who fear God, those who build their lives on Christ, those who live for eternity, those who make good decisions today because they understand it determines our future. Now, hopefully, I mean, part of what we're doing here together is trying to help each other have wise friends. So hopefully you, you have a good number of wise friends. You've surrounded yourself with the wise. But some of us need to hear and need to wrestle with the next part of the proverb. So whoever walks with the wise grows wise, but there's more. A companion of fools suffers harm. And so we've seen who the Bible considers wise, and now here's who the Bible considers, Bible's words, not mine, a fool. And it's really just the opposite of what we learned about the wise. And you need to be examining your friends list as I share these things today. You need to be honestly assessing how many fools do I have on my friends list? A fool, according to the Bible, is someone who doesn't fear God. Psalm 14.1 says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I didn't say that. The Bible did. I'm not trying to be unkind. It's just true. Not believing in God, according to the Bible, makes a person foolish. Of course, then we also have the practical atheists. There are a lot of these folks around. They say that they believe in God, but they live as though they don't. Both are foolish. Both do not fear the Lord. So if you have a friend who doesn't fear the Lord, you are a companion of a fool. And you are setting yourself up to suffer harm. Secondly, a fool, according to the Bible, is someone who does not build their life on Christ and his teachings. Just as Matthew 7 commended the person who builds their life on the rock, on Jesus and his teaching, uh, Jesus also talked about another person in Matthew 7. It's the person who builds their house on the sand with no thought of what's going to happen when the storm comes against the house that's on the sand. It's going to collapse. It's going to fall. It's going to be washed away. And here's what Jesus says of the person who does not build their life on him and his teachings. He says that they are a fool. They're a fool. When you're a companion of people who are so unwise, so foolish, as to not build their lives on Christ and his teachings, you are setting yourself up to suffer harm. Because a companion of fools will suffer harm. Here's a passage that doesn't get much attention anymore, but it's still in the Bible. Not sure you'll like it, but it's there. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord does Christ have with the devil? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God 
with idols. And of course, this has been almost entirely turned on its head lately as uh, many Christians think it is a great virtue to be better friends with the world than they are with those awful, stinky, nasty, bigoted Christians. And even some of you now are pushing back as I talk about this and you're saying, well, Brian, I mean, Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so what you're saying, Brian, that just isn't right. Well, it's in the same Bible that told us Jesus is a friend of sinners. It's in the same one. And I'm going to talk about that more in a minute, how these two things are not contradictory. But here's why this is an important passage. Because what did we say in the beginning? What did I share in the beginning? When we are accepted by others, we let our guard down and we open ourselves to the influence of our friends. And when your closest friends are those with a worldview that is completely opposed to yours, it is a problem according to the Bible. Not according to me. This is one of these things I would not tell you if it wasn't in the Bible. It's not according to me. It's according to the Bible. This next thing isn't on your outline, but it should have been. I made a mistake. (laughs) A fool, according to the Bible, is anyone who lives for the present with no thought of eternity. Jesus told the parable of the rich fool. The Bible uses the word fool quite a bit. It kind of goes against our sensitivities, but the Bible is, you know, pretty frequent in its use of this word. And so Jesus told the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12, and here's what he said. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and so he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, isn't that a description of what our entire culture is trying to achieve? Just getting to a place where we can eat, drink, and be merry. That's what the culture is about. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you then who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. The rich fool lived only for this present age, gave no thought to eternity. This is a recipe for wasting life. Surround yourself with people living only for the present, with no thought of eternity. And you're setting yourself up to be harmed because a companion of fools suffers harm. And finally, the foolish person, according to the Bible, is the person who knows the difference between right and wrong, but doesn't care. They're the person, the fool, who says things like this. Well, you know, I figure what I'm doing is going to send me to hell, but I'm going to have a lot of company there. Oh, that'll be really reassuring when you're there. Yeah, yeah. Look at that lovely person. I get to 
be tormented with forever. Lots of good company here in hell. It's ridiculous. And this gets said all the time by people who we're friends with. And then they yuck it up. <laughs> Hardy har har. Going to be in hell with a bunch of other people. Woohoo! Wouldn't want to go to heaven anyway. All the stodgy people will be there. All the fun people are going to be in hell having no fun at all. So consumed by selfishness are they that even the thought of divine judgment won't turn them away from pursuing whatever sinful thing their heart desires. When you hang out with these people, you are setting yourself up for trouble. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. When your friends know right and wrong and don't care, and you have, through their acceptance, opened yourself up to their influence, you are susceptible to them being a corrupting influence on you. When you're the companion of someone who knows the difference between right and wrong but doesn't care, you are going to suffer harm because a companion of fools suffers harm. And so just like you should choose friends that have the characteristics of the wise, you should avoid friendships who have characteristics that the Bible says mark a person as being a fool. And if, if as I'm talking today, you are having friendships come into your mind and you're saying, okay, I have to admit that that person meets the biblical definition of a fool. You might need to take the step of limiting your involvement with that person. You might even need to take the step of ending it altogether. Because if you're a companion of those who don't fear the Lord, don't build their life on Christ and his teachings, live only for the present, and know the difference between right and wrong but don't care, you are setting yourself up for harm because a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, I know we've run late today. We did a lot of things in the service, but stick with me for a couple of more minutes here. There's an important distinction that I think needs made. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. But here's what I think we often hear when we read it. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools becomes a fool. But that's not what it says. It's not what it says. It says the companion of fools suffers harm. Now, I think that there are places in Scripture that let us know that hanging out with foolish people has a corrupting influence on us, uh, can actually lead us to the place of becoming foolish ourselves. Bad company corrupts good morals is one such an example. Immoral company can actually influence a moral person toward becoming an immoral person. You know this from people in your life who 10 years ago would have never done the things that they're doing now. But even if you can honestly claim that hanging out with foolish companions has not compromised your own morality, has not led you to make personally bad decisions, has not led you to abandoning your faith, well, that's a good thing. But Proverbs 13 doesn't say a companion of fools will become a fool. It says a companion of fools will suffer harm. Will suffer harm. You may never adopt the foolishness of your friend, 
But the time is coming when their foolishness will harm you. You're going to be collateral damage when their life blows up. Be friends with fools and you'll suffer harm. So to avoid harm, you need to avoid fools. If you're already friends with one or many, you need to reduce their influence or you might even need to completely separate yourself from them. Well, let me give you five quick things. I was going to spend more time on this, but I don't have it. Let me give you five quick things that can let you know that you might have the wrong friends. Okay? These aren't on your outline, so if you want them, write them down. Here's the first one. Here's the first. Oh, hold it. Let me back up here. Three things that I want you to do, okay, in response to this message. First is we need to learn to appreciate the need for different kinds of friendships. All right, this is like the latest I've ever been and been this, uh, <laughs> this much message left, so I'm struggling here a little bit. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and plow through this. Those people can wait. So here we go. <laughs> All right. So the, the, you just weren't going to get everything I want you to get if I try to skip through all this. So Proverbs 13.20 gives us this important guidance. And now I want to talk for just a minute about how we respond to it. And here's the first thing. You need to learn to appreciate that there are different kinds of friendships. And that's okay. Going back to that objection, I thought some of you might have. Well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. That is absolutely true. It's also true that we are to be friends with people who are far from God. We, we absolutely are. But we need to keep some things in mind. First of all, we're not Jesus. We're weak. He's strong. And so we need to be really careful about how close we become with friends who are not wise according to the Bible. And we should also note that even in the life of Jesus, he was a friend to everyone, but he was not equally close with everyone. He was much closer and more involved with the 12 than he was with anyone else that interacted with him. He was friends with everyone, but he spent most of his time with those committed to him. And so nothing that I've said here today is meant to suggest we shouldn't be friends with unbelievers, shouldn't be friends with people with a different worldview, shouldn't be friends with an atheist, or shouldn't be friends with li people living immoral lives. But our closest friendships should be with people that the Bible calls wise. Be friends, be friendly with everyone. But we need to appreciate that we can have casual friends, friends that we are more guarded with, and then we can have closer friends, friends that we open ourselves up to their influence. Those the Bible calls foolish should only be on your casual, on guard with friends list. You're saying, Brian, that I should rate my friends, put them on different lists and everything? Yes, I am. Only those who meet the biblical characteristics of the wise should be your close friends that you open yourself up to and allow them to influence your life. Here's the second thing. Learn to identify the friendships that have the potential for harm. Now I'm going to give you these five things quicker than I was. If it dawns on you that your closest friends aren't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving, an alarm bell should go off. Number two, if you catch yourself pretending to be somebody other than who you know you are when you're around certain people, an alarm bell should go off. 
Number three, when what has never been a temptation for you suddenly becomes something that you are considering doing, it should scare you to death. An alarm bell should go off. Number four, if you catch yourself saying, I'll go, but I won't participate, you're in a danger zone. And the foolish friends you're keeping are setting you up to suffer harm. And number five, when you hope people that you care about the most don't find out where you've been or who you've been with, you've got a friend problem. These are five helpful guides to know when you have a friend problem. And here's the final suggestion for your own good and the good of those you love. Be intentional about seeking friendships who meet the biblical definition of the wise and be intentional about limiting and even ending if you need to the friendships of the people the Bible calls a fool. Why don't you stand?